0: it was a big deal because when I told my mom that I'm not gonna have babies anymore and you know they already did the they tied the tools and everything and my mom was like what what did you do for what reason you ask your husband I said mom we don't ask husband anymore okay we decide what you want to do with my body this is my body
1: Welcome to Bearcat, a podcast for serious women. I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Brittany Shute. Leticia Aguilar grew up as one of 18 children in this tiny town in Mexico. And she had this very misogynistic, fairly abusive father. And it was very much repeated to her and shown to her over and over again that women were not of value except to serve men. And what's interesting to me about her is just that she has this internal strength and deep belief in her value that was not shaken by all of that you know like it's yeah it's pretty incredible amy how did you meet It's kind of interesting. So um, Leticia runs the preschool that my kids go to. And um, yeah, and one day I was picking up my older son and she pulled me aside and was like, hey, the other moms told me that you're a writer. So I put my manuscript in Archie's cubby. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, thanks, other moms. Um, thanks, so, thanks, everybody. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, <laughs> so I had this giant manuscript that was like, it had a laminated cover and it had in like typewriter wow. cursive on the front, Leticia's story. And I lugged that thing around with me for like two years because I was super, super, super busy at the time. And I was traveling a lot for work and I, you know, I kept bringing it with me with like very good intentions of reading it and it just kept not happening. Mm -hmm. And she kept asking Mm -hmm. me if I had read it and what I thought and I felt really bad. So at one point I ended up on a red eye from New York home and I couldn't sleep. And so I cracked it open and i realized that in fact it was not a manuscript it was like 300 pages of single spaced transcripts of her oh like gosh. telling stories about her life to someone else um and it was fascinating oh my gosh. it was totally fascinating i was just reading like oh my god this woman's life is incredible like the the Amount of struggle that she had to go through to get to where she is today, which is, you know, she lives in this like very nice big house in Truckee, which is near Lake Tahoe. It's a nice little town and she runs this preschool and she's kind of like a known figure in town, you know, like she gets written up in the local paper a lot. And like she, one of the many things that she does around town is um, she is on a list with the hospital for um, anytime a woman is giving birth and they're by themselves, she has told them to call her and she will come like anytime, day or night, because she's just like, I don't think people should have to do that alone.
2: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. She's
1: amazing. She's, she's, a, she's, a, like she's a total bear total cat. Total bear cat. Yeah. And she's like in her this mid-60s. Like, she's not like a spring chicken, you know? Um, so wow. for her to like wow. jump out of bed at 2 a.m. and be up all night is like kind of a big deal, you know? And her- With a... S- with a, stranger with a stranger and not like as
2: part of a job Yes. like it's, it's not her like it, role no it's totally to do that. just
1: volunteer she just like doesn't think women should have to do that alone
2: and well i mean i'm sure we can all I agree think about we that can all agree. but that's really yeah. that's really special i know right it's amazing. i mean that's a special thing to do for other people Yeah.
1: still doing the thing where you like people will call you to go and help out with yeah so how did that start and, and what would what you what do you do in the the maternity ward
0: well I was uh, volunteering no I was in the committee at the FRC FRC is the family resource center when uh, people go and get the help for uh, any type of help you know like lawyer you know um, abuse or single moms, you know, get pregnant, you know, like in college, you know, in high school. And I was uh, the Latino advisor in Truckee through FRC. So I started getting involved in uh, clubs, you know, teen clubs, you know, when, the continuation in high school. And I started getting involved with them, with that group, and I started talking about, you know, what is, you know, the needs or what we need to talk about, changing that style of having babies uh, early age. The younger one, I hope it was 14 years old. I know. And uh, the parents, they got mad. The parents, they don't wanna be there with her. The boyfriend left after that, after she was pregnant because she don't wanna get involved with the babies. Uh, So they call me from the hospital because I give my number to the hospital and say, you know what, when somebody comes in here that is lonely, they don't have no family when they're going to have the first child, call me. So they call me like 3 in the morning, sometimes 1 in the morning. Leticia, we got somebody here, 14 years old, Uh, can you come? Um, She doesn't uh, speak really good uh, language, so I want you to help her. So yes, I'll be there. And I say, honey, I'm coming back later. Okay, where are you going? To the hospital. Why? You know, he's like, but Leticia's leg, you're going to work the next morning. I said, I don't care. So he is trying to tell the the person who's delivering the baby, you know, to just calm down. Everything is going to be fine. You know, I'm here holding your hand. I want to be helping you through the until you have your baby. Um. But the more uh, energy you, you keep it by yourself, you know, you're going to need everything at the last minute. So try to just be the normal and, you know, kind of, you know, said don't remember, just uh, remember good things. Don't remember that your parents are not here. You know, I'm here. Whatever Where, you need, I'm here for you. So just giving support to them. That's how I get involved and they call me, you know.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we heard in this bite up front that like she had her tubes tied at a certain point, which was kind of a big deal in her family, especially after watching her mom go through most of her adult life being pregnant and nursing and raising kids she couldn't afford. She was like, I'm not doing that.
2: Yeah. No kidding. Well, and her story is pretty incredible. Long before you know, any of her reproductive decisions come into her into play here, like, before that, any of that comes into her life story?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, like I kind of mentioned, she's on paper, like, nothing about her early life should have set her up for the sort of internal strength that she wound up having. Her dad was pretty abusive to all of the kids. He was totally abusive to the mom. And she has told me that um, she was like the only one of the the siblings that would jump in between her dad and her mom, which is why she took up the brunt of a lot of the abuse. Mm. But she kept doing it. You know, she was just like, I don't believe that wow. you should treat women like that. And And like from a really young age. So here she is about kind of what she was dealing with growing up.
0: The early memories I have about my mom when I was eight years old, it was seeing her working hard, having babies, uh, looking tired, and uh, she got no voice in, uh, in the house because my father always says what to do and what needs to be done. Uh, she was working since three in the morning until 11 or 12 midnight, every single night, every single day. So, we just go hungry every night, and uh, she just says, that's the only thing we have, and I said, you know, so, um, I don't know if you got the 18 children. Okay, so, and then she have, and we got uh, in the family 18, in the family, uh, same mom, same daddy, and everybody was treated the same way, I believe so, you know, mm-hmm. so, and, and everybody weren't in the house, except the last two, that she needs to go to the hospital because the baby's almost dying in her tummy. So, and that was the reason that I decided for me to stay in Mexico. It's going to be no way. I mean, I look then and I say, you know, all the women are tired. Their hands are dry, you know, the men so clean all the time. And the women so like behind walking in the street, you know, because they never walk next to each other lying here. So it was really hard to see that and not to to follow my mom in the same direction that she went, you know.
1: There's no particular reason for it. You know, it's like none of her other siblings had that kind of like sass. There was no one that was like modeling it for her. Um, It just... But
2: this this is this is the thing, right? Like we talk about this a lot. Like I feel like it applies to us and it applies to other people that we end up knowing as adults. Like there's so many people have these stories where there's no reason that they should have turned out this way. And whatever nature, slight nurture that was involved in that, whatever, like it's, it's, it's one of my, like it's something that fascinates me so deeply and I could talk about it forever because I can't understand When I run into people like this, how how they were able to keep pushing back, and it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. In
1: her case, there were there are the only thing that I have found is that like there were like a couple of conversations with women Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. just gave her that slight window into a different way to be. You know, like there was a woman in her town who owned a restaurant, and um you know, would kind of like kind of seem to just be able to like do whatever she wanted. And so mm-hmm. she kind of saw that and was like, that's cool. Like, I want that, you know. Yeah. And then when she eventually ended up in Truckee and it was like, you know, um her kids had gone to school and she had gone back to work and she worked at the hospital. And there was a woman that gave her rides to work like they did. They um, carpooled to work a lot. And the this woman pulled her aside at one point and was like, just told her like, you know, It seems like your husband kind of has a lot of control over everything you do. And like, that's fine if that's how you want it to be. But I just want you to know that like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you could totally just tell him that you're going to go to dinner with friends. Like you don't need to ask his permission for stuff, you know? And it was this total like penny drop moment for her where she was like, oh yeah, I don't. And she just started like living her life that way. And she's kind of like, you know, the first couple times he was like, (laughs) Excuse me, what? And then she's like, "He just kind of got over it," you know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I it's think amazing. The, I think the imagination piece is so interesting because it it really does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it only takes seeing. I'm thinking again about like her childhood and yeah, the way yeah. that you see someone, and maybe you don't see like the full model of how your life could be, but you imagine these, you can sort of imagine these pieces together into a larger puzzle that you could like work Mm -hmm. toward. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. I think it's really, I think it's really powerful when people have been able to sort of tell that story. Like you can, like you can really come from not very much and end up having a life that you find really fulfilling and interesting. And, um, so wait, how, so how did Leticia end up leaving home? So she was about 14 and her
1: sister had gotten married to a guy that had moved to the U.S. So she had citizenship. So she and her husband were living in the U.S. They had a couple kids and her sister was also working. So she really needed some help around the house. And she asked Leticia if she would want to come and stay with them and help out. And she was like, yes, get me out of here. Of course. Um, Yeah. So then um, they get to the border and like the plan was to have her use like another sister's id um and then it was like turned into like a fake u.s passport and in order for that to work she needed to look a lot older so they dressed her up in like a wig and this crazy makeup and heels and she was like i had never worn heels so like i looked ridiculous what (laughs) i know I know. And so she tried to get across the border and of course got turned away. And at this point, she's like, "Fuck, what do I do? Like I'm in Tijuana. Her sister and her sister, her brother-in-law and, and the kids have like like crossed the border already. They're on their way home to Sacramento, and she is stuck in Tijuana." Oh so God. like she has to find someone like a family friend, so she like calls homes, like, do we know anyone want Tijuana? Like, <laughs> finds this person, is like, can I stay on your couch until I can like figure out how to get across the border? And they're like, sure, sure, whatever, you know. And then, um, she tries like three more times and she finally gets across with uh what they call a coyote which is like mm. a, a person who helps like smuggle you across the border yeah. which is also super fucking scary yeah those it's really guys, dangerous like, are not trustworthy yeah <laughs> and i don't
2: say that like you, you never know It's oh, dangerous like, but like i mean that's yeah it's really risky to try like it's it's yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you don't know if they're gonna just take your money. You don't know if they're gonna try to basically traffic you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of you know, questions. So yeah. she was terrified of but course. she um she she got to LA and then she had to stay in LA for a while because they were like, Oh, there's some kind of, you know, um, immigration patrol on the road between LA and Sacramento mm-hmm. and we gotta wait for that to die down and then she finally makes it to Sacramento. So she ends up watching her sister's kids during the day and then going and picking tomatoes in the like for a farm in the night. So she works like all through the night, comes home, sleeps for like a few hours, and then watches these kids all day. Mm. <laughs> it's like this grueling schedule. Um, here she is talking a little bit about her early days in Sacramento. As
0: soon as I got to uh, Sacramento, and be a mom to five children who was one year, two years, three, you know, she got, every year she got one kid, my sister two. So it's one, two, three, four, five years old. And then um, the difference that I saw right away was how my sister Eva, she was working and outside the house. And I saw there was, wow, what a difference from Mexico, the women is, needs to stay home take care of the children and the husband. And in the United States, I saw my sister like, you know, I got one job. You're going to take care of my children and I'm going to pay you. And I saw the difference between my sister uh, and my brother-in-law, the way uh, he treated her and the way my sister can answer him when he wasn't right. So I saw that right away. So wait, how did,
2: so she's in Sacramento. How did she end up in Truckee? Like how did she move up into the mountains?
1: So she ended up meeting a guy from. Well, first of all, okay, I should I should mention that um, her sister and brother in law found some like old, very old dude who was willing to marry her to get her citizenship, and um, wow, that was a whole thing to navigate too because he was kind of expecting it to turn into like a real relationship, or I think was at least hoping that he would like get a fun night out of it. And so yeah. she had to kind of like maneuver her way out of that situation. <sighs> um, yeah. And then um, she ends up meeting this guy who actually is from her town in Mexico, but lives in Truckee. And, They hit it off and he is like really wanting to um, go out with her and have this relationship. And she's kind of like being very standoffish because she had a boyfriend in uh, Mexico who she had been – Um, starting to date when she left and then had kept in touch with and like had all these ideas that she was going to marry him and whatever. And one of the times that she went home to visit and she was telling her dad that she was going to marry this guy, her dad was like, get in the car. We need to go for a ride. Drove her all the way to Guadalajara, which was like two hours plus away um, to where this guy was living and basically showed her that he was married with kids. And yeah, which she was like, Especially mortified by because her dad was constantly cheating on her mom. So she was like, you know, I think that's wrong. People shouldn't do that. And then here she ends up being the other woman unknowingly. So she was very like when she met this guy. What a horrible way to
2: deal with that.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. So when she meets this guy, she's very like, you know, you can come and visit me for an hour at a time at my sister's house. That's it.
2: She's like, "Will you please court me like it's 1950?" Exactly. And we can sit on the porch swing. That's great. That's
1: exactly, exactly. It's like we can sit on the porch and talk and that's it. And so, uh, that's actually really this. great. Yeah, totally. So they did that's that a for bear a cat few move, months.
2: right?
1: Totally. She's like, "Oh, you want to spend time with me? Here's how it's going to be." <laughs> yeah.
2: Know? Here here are the stipulations. And he's like, "Yes, cool. Whatever." Cuz you're I so know. rad.
1: And again, she's like, you have to have respect for yourself. Like, because this is like so ingrained in her where it's like no one respected her. So she had to have this like intense amount of respect for herself because she's like, oh, you're a woman. That's shit. You're an immigrant. That's shit. Like, you know, she had to really kind of insist on this self-respect to kind of keep it together, you know, and like keep going in her life. Um, So she has this guy and he um, ends up proposing to her within like three months. Because um, he's like, the only way I'm ever going to actually get to date this woman is if I marry her. <laughs> like, and so they um, they go to get married in Mexico and her dad throws a big stink because uh, her now husband was married before. And so her dad is like, you shouldn't be getting married in the church and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And he refuses to come to the wedding.
2: Her dad sounds so awful.
1: Yeah. He's like a uh like pretty like larger than life asshole <laughs> you know <laughs> like, just like at every turn um wow. so eventually her sister convinces him to come to the church and they have this wedding and like they get married and she decides like she had decided when she saw the guy in Guadalajara that she was never going to live in Mexico so they um they go back to the US and they end up settling down in Truckee cuz he had a job at the lumber mill there Um, and that's, this is like where her sort of lifelong fight against misogyny really takes an interesting turn because she kind of like, she marries this guy. They're married for like a year. She has her first kid. They initially were going to have two kids and then it ends up being three. And after she has the third kid, she gets her tubes tied because she's like, I don't want to have a bunch of kids. And then, after the youngest kid is around like two or three, she goes back to work. She starts um, as a maid at a
0: hotel. I started working when my child was uh, two years. Two years. Uh, my first job um, in Turkey was uh, cleaning motel. You know, the Getaway Motel is not there anymore, yeah. you know. So the owner, they take care of my children when I was taking care of the, their uh, the cleaning up, you know. So yeah. they help me a lot. So, and then from there, I feel like, you know, my children was two years, my daughter, and then uh, I was pregnant with my yeah. son. You know, they almost had my son. And then I started working for like six months, and then I come back to work. But and then I started working at the hospital, and housekeeping. And
1: then she decides she wants to go to school. So she tells her husband, like, I want to get my master's in child development. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And he's, like, very resistant to that. And she's just kind of like, this is what I got to do. Get on board. You know? And, uh, like, the way that she kind of handled that is really interesting. So here she is explaining that.
0: So when I got married, um, I was 21. So... I came to Truckee, California, I was in Sacramento and then my husband was uh, living in Truckee so I moved to Truckee and uh, it was hard for me because my husband wanted to be, uh, he's a Mexican too, and um, he wanted to treat me the same way his daddy treated her, uh, his mom, but uh, the first three years it was so hard for me because he was working like 14, 16 hours per day I wasn't home, you know, like sometimes crying because, you know, he wanna have babies right away. And I said, no, I wanna go to school. So we argue so many, you know, I mean, I don't let myself to whatever he says, you know. So it took me like a four years and then I started working in here. And then after that, you know, I said, you know, the sooner I raise my children, I'm gonna be um, going to college. Mm-hmm. He said, oh no, you're not going to college. If you go to college, we're going to get divorced. I said, you know what, honey? For one year, we we struggle a lot, you know, like back and forth, back and forth, you know. Yes, you're going to stop going to school. Until one day, I said, you know what? I love you so much. But I'm going to continue my education. You want to get uh, divorced? You want to get a lawyer? Or you want me to get the lawyer? And that's how it is. And it's a good thing
1: that she did go to school and do all that because that enabled her to open her business, which totally saved the family when he injured his back and couldn't work anymore.
2: Oh, my gosh. So,
1: yeah. So within like, you know, six or seven years of him kicking up this big fuss, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so happy that you did this. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Yeah. So the, the sort of most bear caddy thing of all about Leticia is how she wound up defeating misogyny in her own life and how she kind of teaches other women how to do it, too.
2: So how does she teach other women to do this now? Because when you introduced her, you talked about how she was running like a daycare center. Right. How does this? How does this all fit together? So she has um,
1: several women working for her, and then she also just is involved with the the Latino community around town quite a bit. And she meets these women who she thinks are like, you know, kind of being victimized by the whole Latino machismo thing. And she mm-hmm. um, she runs these like f- basically fake child development or child nutrition seminars and groups or or like one-on-one meetings with different moms because she knows that the men will let the women go to stuff like that and that they also won't try to come along
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's ju- but it's just to like get them out of the house yeah, it's just, just to to, like out. set up a time to talk yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant yeah, yeah. And uh, for one reason or another, I don't know how this family, that she find out them, the mother. And she came to me once in my house and say, Leticia, I need to talk to you, please. Can you help me? And I say, okay, calm down, calm down. Come on, let's go in that room. It is quiet, so we're gonna sit down and talk. And just yes, breathe, and she started crying. My husband is abusing me, and I don't know what to do. I wanna go to college. I wanna continue my education. He says no and I want to do something differently. What, in what area you can help me and where I can go to get help. So I started getting uh, a clue of uh, ladies, married women, that every time their husband wasn't there, I go to their house and say, okay, what are you doing right now? You know, why are you changing since I came, the last week I came. I go every week and say, okay, what are you changing you and your husband? So you're still asking for permission to go someplace. Or you say, I'm gonna go. But he's gonna divorce me. I said, what is more important to you? You're losing your respect. Because you let your husband to do and to decide everything for you. So I start moving in that area. And uh, so far I got like uh, maybe 15 or 20 women went to college and finished their degree. And sometimes I need to translate the the chapter before they go to school so that way they can understand hundred percent you know what the class was about and then i tell uh, one of them if you one day you don't show up to the class the teacher is going to call me and i'm going to go and get you to your house and i'm going to bring you to the classroom so you better be there and don't miss any class and if you ever need any help i want you to come because asking to people when you don't understand something is going to take you someplace if you don't ask when you need it, you're going to not pass the class. And I don't want that to happen.
1: Okay, that's it for this episode of Bearcat. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back with another episode in a couple weeks.
2: If you have any Bearcats you think we should be interviewing, if you have uh, any Bearcats we can't interview, but maybe we should profile, you can shoot us a note at hey at bearcatpodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss
1: future episodes. We've got several coming up for you over the next few months. Our music
2: is by David Whited, and illustrations are by Jennifer Kirkham. You can find us online at bearcatpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.